Hello. You're listening to Before the Act, a series of podcasts about a groundbreaking moment in theatre and social history, as told by some of the wonderful women who were there. These podcasts were made during the coronavirus lockdown, and I caught up with people I haven't spoken to in 30 years on the phone. Hello. Hello, is that Katrina? Yes, Beth, how are you? (laughs) Hello, is that Mandy? It is, Beth. It is. Is that Karen? It is. (laughs) They all have one thing in common. They witnessed the start of the fight against the notorious Section 28 and the founding of Stonewall, the organisation that would spend 15 years lobbying for its repeal. I recorded their personal memories alongside radio interviews and audio clips of real events. We rejoin our story back in the summer of 1988. It's 7.30pm on June the 5th. Michael Cashman, famous for playing the first openly gay character in EastEnders, is waiting nervously in the wings of the Piccadilly Theatre in London's West End. The house lights are dimming and you can feel electricity building in the air. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats Tonight's performance of Before the Act is about to begin. I'm Bever, stage manager of tonight's show. From my vantage point in the wings, I can see Michael striding onto centre stage and launching into the dream of the art fairy, a poem which imagines a world without gay and lesbian artists and writers. Standing next to me are the Hot Doris Band, waiting to go on stage for one of the biggest nights of their career. Cy and Kent remembers being in the wings. I, I do remember one thing very clearly. The curtain went up and I saw the auditorium and I had this kind of wave of panic come over me. In a, Not panic, but kind of amazement, if you know what I mean. It's like, And I remember also thinking, God, I'm glad I'm not playing the piano at this point. And then it started, and we just started, and I thought, we've just got to launch into it, you've just got to go. Be left wing, go on the marches, but 
just let their hair down and enjoy a big show tune. was a little bit kind of overwhelming and exciting and I do remember being in the auditorium after that and watching it just thinking how amazing the whole thing was and we knew it was important for the cause as well and also you, you kind of felt that you know we'd be doing so many benefits all the time and suddenly lots of famous people had come on board and were supporting it as well and it felt like we'd moved on to the next level in, in, in the sense of all these people are fighting this now. These were all the big stars, UK big stars at the time. It's the equivalent of Live Aid, in a, in a sense. 1988 was the tail end of a golden age in theatre. It's easy to forget just how renowned the actors who took part in Before the Act were. Joan Plowright, famous in her own right, was the wife of Laurence Olivier and a baroness. Dame Peggy Ashcroft, an Oscar winner who'd worked with everyone from Alfred Hitchcock to Sir Peter Hall. And people like Vanessa Redgrave, Alan Bates and Timothy West were theatre and film legends. Back in the wings and playwright Tom Stoppard has just walked off stage right after introducing an excerpt from Joe Orton's Entertaining Mr Sloan. Hancock, flirting with a young Gary Oldman. The first half of the show featured music by Poulenc, Saint-Saëns, Tchaikovsky and the Flying Lizards, along with excerpts from well-known plays and poems, all written or composed by a gay man or lesbian. McKellen was aware of the potential for Section 28 to censor the arts and had raised this publicly on radio and at rallies during the year. You're familiar with the play The Normal Heart, an American play about um, AIDS in the early days of AIDS in America, which had a huge impact on people's knowledge of that disease, uh, not just in America, but when it was recently seen here in England at the Royal Court Theatre and in the West End. Uh, the Devonshire County Council has recently removed £10,000 from the grant to its local arts um, centre because it proposes to do that play. Much of the hysteria around gay culture had arisen in response to a book published in 1983 by Suzanne Bosch called Jenny Lives with Eric and Martin. The story describes a few days in the life of a five-year-old named Jenny, her father Martin and his boyfriend Eric, who lives with them. Jenny's mother Karen lives nearby and often visits. It describes such small adventures as Jenny, Eric and Martin going to the laundrette, Jenny, Martin and Karen preparing a surprise birthday party for Eric, 
and a woman expressing homophobic disgust when passing the family in the street. Written to address the problems children face when meeting family groupings different to the ones they're familiar with, the book was condemned by Kenneth Baker, the Secretary of State for Education, and cited by Dame Jill Knight, Chief Architect of Section 28, as homosexual propaganda. Our major concern has been that small children, some as young as five when they start school, have actually had homosexuality thrust at them. There has been a promotional exercise on very young children indeed. Section 28 also referred to the pretended family relationships which gay people were accused of creating. Shakespearean actor Edward Petherbridge took part in Before the Act as an act of solidarity and support for his own son, who at 23 had recently come out. Jane Asher, Anna Rayburn and Richard Sandals also spoke passionately against Section 28. I'm very sorry that we've all had to gather here tonight. The last time that most of us up here on the stage met, we were still hoping that the wretched clause 28 wouldn't become Section 28. But now that it has, I think it's very important that we all fight the terrible and cruel effect that it undoubtedly will have. My name is Anna Rayburn. Of course I'm here because I oppose Section 28. I oppose it for everything that it stands for and everything that it opens the door to. Most of us here tonight don't need any reminding that this is primarily attack upon the civil liberties of individual men and women. It's a threat to the happiness and dignity of every lesbian and gay man in the country. And if any of you have listened, if any of you have listened to the debates in Parliament, you'll know that this is nothing less than parliamentary queer bashing. The play Bet, which you're about to see an extract from, also serves a warning to those in power of where the path they've chosen to take can lead. The play deals with the treatment of gay men by the Nazis, and the scene you're going to watch now takes place in Germany in 1936. Bennett by Martin Schulz. <laughs> Hugh Quashie in Martin Sherman's Bent. The first act continued with performances by DV8, Anthony Sher playing Jean Cocteau, and one of the country's most distinguished actors, Dame Peggy Ashcroft, making a rare stage appearance at the age of 81. Trina Cornwell, the show's producer, escorted her to the stage. Well, I remember as, as it happens, Peggy Ashcroft uh, being so nervous that she didn't want to go on and standing at the side of the stage, sort of gripping her hand, saying, it'll all be over in a minute, don't worry. It's great to be here on this wonderful and very important evening. 
important to us all in the theater, in the arts in general, and to the future of the arts in our country. Well, you don't need me to tell you that. But I am here to tell you that we are going to have the very great pleasure of hearing Elise Roth, accompanied by Simon Rattle in two songs of Pula. It was an eclectic mix of high art and popular culture, and none more so than when Pam St. Clements introduced Michael Cashman back onto the stage, with the stars of Brookside and EastEnders performing a specially written sketch by Tony Holland. Isn't he smashing all the Joanna? I reckon I have to get him a job at the Queen's Theatre. <laughs> I'm not here to perform. I've actually been helping backstage in the soap stars had come out in support of the lesbian and gay community. Sue Johnston and some of the Brookside cast had taken part in the Against Section 28 rally in Manchester earlier in the year, and soap operas were among the first to grapple with the changing politics and prejudice of the decade. Michael Cashman's character, Colin in EastEnders, featured in the UK's first homosexual kiss on a soap opera, causing controversy in Walford Square and the British press as illustrated in this clip from EastEnders. Forgive me if I'm misunderstanding you, but are you trying to tell me that you and Colin are homosexuals? I'm sure, didn't you know? No, I certainly did not. I mean, I thought you was just friends. You know, flatmates. Yeah, well, we are. Yes, but, I mean, forgive me if I'm wrong, but you're telling me that you and Colin are involved, you know, right? I'm sorry, Barry, but I'll have to give you your keys back. I mean, I couldn't clean your flat because it'd be tantamount to condoning it, wouldn't it? Not to mention the fact that the pair of you might well have AIDS. 
EastEnders character Doc Cotton there, reflecting the ignorance and fear of AIDS, which was fueling Section 28. Ironically, the disease was also a huge motivator for the cast and producers of Before the Act, many of whom had lost or were losing friends, as Katrina from the Hot Doris Band explains. Things were really building and building in that, you know, we were seeing just hundreds of uh, predominantly gay men dying every week. Um, I remember there was over one summer uh, I went to so many funerals, people that had been, you know, two or three months earlier booking us to do a gig at the bar that they ran and then the next thing you know, you're at their funeral. It's fucking awful. And I do think those times defined us. Back in the Piccadilly, Imelda Staunton is standing centre stage, about to burst into song. myself and the crew are frantically clearing the set from Hands Across the Sea. It includes a three-seater sofa, four carver chairs, a side table, a drinks cabinet, three wine bottles, two glass jugs and cotton wool. Keep going as if I haven't gone through enough toilet paper today. Which was led by Melda Staunton. 
did that and it was spine tingling, it was lovely. But of the people that I was standing watching, they were looking at all these bright young girls giving it their all in the Piccadilly Theatre and saying they've got no fucking idea of nothing. I don't think they're lesbians because I'm absolutely deep and smiles. It was lovely. It was a gorgeous moment. All these voices and Amanda Staunton just being brilliant. Just people getting a fit of the giggles. These girls have got no idea. They just, and quite, you know, not, we weren't, we weren't laughing at them because they were brilliant. It was a thrilling sound, but just thinking, do you really know what, but did you actually know what a suffragette was? Ladies and gentlemen, please make your way to the bar, where your interval drinks are waiting for you. This podcast was created by Bev Air, Tim Brunston and Lou Muddle, with the kind help and generous support of Trina Cornwell, Cyan Kent, Katrina Buchanan, Mandy Short, Karen Parker and Angie West of Queer Bee Films. Before the act was a benefit show, to counter the effects of Section 28. It was devised by Michael Cashman, Sean Mathias, Ian McKellen, Stephen Oliver and Martin Sherman. It was produced by 20th Century Vixen Promotions and was directed by Richard Eyre. Join us after the interval for the second half, featuring artists such as Stephen Fry, Francesca Annis, Juliet Stevenson and Simon Callow, and the first ever live performance from the Pet Shop Boys. And hear about the legacy of Before the Act, and the arts lobby who would go on to found Stonewall and successfully lobby for the repeal of Section 28. For further information, check out our webpage, beforetheactpodcast.com.